Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for July 30th is Isaiah chapters 54 through 58. This is the greatest love story ever told. In chapter 54, God says of Israel, in verse 7, I deserted you for a brief moment, but I will take you back with abundant compassion. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but I will have compassion on you with everlasting love, says Yahweh, your Redeemer. Why would God turn his face away? Why would God forsake Israel? Why would God, in this imagery that God uses, that talks about his people being his bride, or the bride of Christ, his son, why would a husband forsake his wife? And I think about my own wife, my, my wedding day, all those years ago and how beautiful my wife was as she came down the aisle, as she had prepared herself, as she had saved herself for me. And I was her only husband. She didn't come down the aisle with another man that she planned to hold on to. She was walked down the aisle by her father who gave her to me. And she was my cherished bride and she still is. And I love her more and more as time goes on because I get to know her better and I see how wonderful she is. It's the way love should be between a man and a wife. And that's why God uses this imagery. Actually, this is why God created man and woman so that in our own relationships, we would see what it's supposed to be like between us and him, ever coming closer together, working, learning more about each other. How many of us really know God, the things that he likes, the things that he doesn't like, his sense of humor? Do we really know him? Do you know him the way a a two-year-old knows her father? Or a 20-year-old or a 50-year-old who has become good friends with his father? Peers, in a sense, but never forgetting the relationship that the father is the one, the provider, the, the wiser one, the one with the experience, Imagine a wedding in which the bride comes down the aisle with a couple of her boyfriends, drunk, dirty, uncaring of what the bridegroom thinks. My friends, this unfortunately is a picture of the church. Imagine being the groom, seeing your bride come down the aisle, having waited for this day, having prepared yourself for this day, and she comes down the aisle with her boyfriend or boyfriends, and she's drunk. 
and she won't look at you and she doesn't care and she didn't even brush her teeth. That is the church today. And so God, because he had to, turned his face away. We need to understand the imagery to be able to understand our father who is our groom in this imagery. But even despite our sin, Christ died for us. He paid the penalty so that God could reunite with us. And then there's this future glory that is being promised to all the people. And in verse 13, it says, All your children will be taught by Yahweh. Their prosperity will be great for you parents. What more do you want than the prosperity and the establishment of your children? They will be established on a foundation of righteousness. And it's in this future state of glory as the people of God become worthy brides and they turn from their sin and they walk in righteousness with him that no weapon formed against you will succeed or prosper and you will refute every tongue or accusation raised against you in court. This is the heritage of Yahweh's servants and their vindication is from me. Chapter 55, verse 6, Seek Yahweh while he may be found. Call to him while he's near. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Return to Yahweh so he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will freely forgive. That literal translation, he will abundantly pardon. And God's word that comes from my mouth, God says, will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. What is the context of this verse? We hear this bird, these verses quoted quite a bit. God's word will not return void. It will accomplish all that he sent it to do. What's the context? In chapter 55, it's all about coming to him. And for those who come to him, his word will abound. His word will abound. Later in chapter 57, it talks about the denunciation of the pagan religions and how they cannot stand. But then there's healing and peace for, again, for the people of God. Chapter 58 is about fasting, and it's quoted often in relationships, in sermons about fasting, in relationship to fasting. So it's not something that I hear a lot of people talking about overall. But when we talk about fasting, this is one of the places that really goes into detail on what fasting should truly look like. Verse 3, the people are saying to God, why have we fasted, but you haven't seen? We've been denying ourselves, but you haven't even noticed. 
And God's response is, look, you do as you please on the day of your fast. You oppress your workers. You're arguing and striving. You're hitting people. You can't fast the way that you do and hope that God will hear your voice. God says in verse 6, Isn't this the fast I choose? To break the chains of the wickedness? To untie the ropes of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and to tear off every yoke? The thing is, God chose us to be a royal priesthood. He called us to be like him and to be intermediaries between him and the church. We are ambassadors for Christ, a royal priesthood. And so when we fast, it's to deny the flesh in order to make the spirit come up and become, we become more sensitive to the things of the spirit by denying the flesh. And the purpose of that is so that we can fulfill our role as priests to break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke. Verse 7 says, Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring poor and homelessness, homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see him and not to ignore your own flesh and blood or your family? The thing is, my friends, we're supposed to be walking in authority that comes through fasting, through prayer, through studying the word and memorizing scripture. And it's when we do that in verse 12, it says, some of you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will restore the foundations laid long ago. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets where people live. That's my hope, my friends, that you and I together will be laboring with God, partnering with him to advance the kingdom, to repair the breaches, to lift up the people and point them to the one who can grant them eternal life. May God bless you as you seek him, and we'll see you tomorrow. Music